You are listening to episode 22 of Stoicism on Fire. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Fisher, welcoming you to the Stoicism on Fire podcast, where the ancient practice of Stoic philosophy as a way of life and rational form of spirituality is still alive. Day six, the good fight against Fortuna. What is most important? Raising your spirits high above chance events. Remembering your human status so that if you are fortunate, you know that this will not last long. And if you are unfortunate, you know you are not so if you do not think so. Natural Questions Book 3, Preface 15. Fortuna, fortune in English, is a prevalent theme in Seneca's writings. He uses some form of that word more than 200 times in his letters and more than 20 times in natural questions. As one scholar notes, if we were to search for Seneca's language that at one and the same time captured the nature of the world and human experience within it, the main word upon which we would land would doubtless be fortuna. Fortuna and all that it invokes provides the organizing grammar of Seneca's world. It is the overarching cosmological context in which all human life is lived. End quote. Like Shakespeare's Hamlet, Seneca acknowledges the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. However, he denies that these constitute a sea of troubles. How? By applying the dichotomy of control and trusting in a providentially ordered cosmos as a defense against the vicissitudes of fortune. Seneca declared, The wise person is still not harmed by the storms of life, poverty, pain, and the rest, for not all his works are hindered, but only those that pertain to others. He is himself, always, in his actions, and in the doing of them he is greater when opposed by fortune. For it is then that he does the business of wisdom itself, which, as we just said, is his own good as well as that of others. Letters 85.37 However, we must keep in mind the fact that the dichotomy of control is not just a promise, it is also a warning. Whenever we desire those things that are not up to us, we risk becoming a victim of Epictetus' poignant warning. Quote, you'll have cause to lament, you'll have a troubled mind, and you'll find fault with both gods and human beings. In Chiridion 1. Seneca offers a similar warning for those who chase the things that are not up to us. As he admits, he came to this realization late in life, after he had chased what he calls those things that please the many, until they had made him weary. Quote, the right path which I myself discovered late in life, when weary from wandering, I now point out to others. My cry is this, avoid those things that please the many, the gifts that fortune brings. Be suspicious, be timid, resist every good that comes by chance. It is by the allurements of hope that the fish is caught, the game snared. Do you think these are blessings of fortune? They are traps. Any one of you who wants to live in safety must make every effort to shun those baited favors, amidst which we, poor creatures, are deceived. We think we have hold of them, when in fact, they have hold of us. Letters 8.3 As noted in the previous episode, the life-transforming power of Stoicism lies in the application of two fundamental Stoic doctrines, the dichotomy of control and a love of fate engendered by trust in a providentially ordered cosmos. 
Stoic philosophy teaches us that virtue is the only good, and therefore vice the only bad. Everything else is morally indifferent. In Stoicism, virtue, or excellence of character, is measured by our thoughts and our intentions alone. When the Stoics famously declare that the wise person can experience well-being even while being tortured on the rack, they do not deny the reality of physical pain and suffering. They are simply pointing out the profound truth that physical well-being is not a necessary element of moral well-being, which is derived from virtue. Seneca admonishes, Stop saying, therefore, will the wise person not receive an injury then if he is cut, if his eye is gouged out? Will he not receive an insult if he is jostled through the form with abusive taunts by foul-mouthed men? If at the king's banquet he is ordered to recline beneath the table and eat with the slaves who are responsible for the most humiliating chores? If he is compelled to endure any other contrivance that is offensive to the sensibilities of a freeborn person? End quote. On the Constancy of the Wise Person, 15.1. Seneca is declaring that such questions miss the point of Stoic practice altogether. Physical pain, suffering, and public humiliation are real events, and a Stoic will experience real sensations of physical pain. However, none of these can touch the soul of the Stoic unless the Stoic allows them to do so through wrong judgments about those events. Thus he concludes, We do not deny that being beaten, being struck, or losing a limb is an unfortunate thing, but we deny that all these things are injuries. We remove from these things not the sensation of pain, but only the name, injury, which cannot be sustained with virtue intact. On the Constancy of the Wise Person, 16.1. The truth is this, Fortuna will likely bring great pain and misfortune into our lives at some point. Nevertheless, we must remember that those events are not up to us. What is up to us is our mental attitude as we face the vicissitudes of fortune. We get to choose whether those trials we face in life make us bitter or make us better. And as Stoics, we must accept the fact that life's trials and tribulations are the grist for the mill that allows us to develop an excellence of character. Without such trials, we cannot know nor live up to our true potential. As Seneca points out, quote, To fashion a Stoic who can genuinely be called Stoic, a stronger fate is needed. For him, the way will not be flat. He must go up and down. He must be tossed by waves and must guide his vessel on a stormy sea. He must hold his course against fortune. Many things will happen that are hard and rough, but things he can soften and smooth out himself. Fire proves gold. Misery, brave men. Seneca on Providence 5.9. I conclude with an incredibly profound passage from Seneca's letters. This passage is worthy of memorization and or keeping it close at hand. It truly summarizes what it means to be a Stoic. Quote, a happy person is not the one ordinary people call happy, not the one who has been showered with money, but rather the one whose every good resides in the mind. That one is upright and exalted. He spurns underfoot the objects of wonder. He would not trade his life for any other that he sees. He assesses a person only by that part which makes him a human being. He takes nature for his teacher, regulates his life by nature's laws, lives as nature has directed. His goods are those no power can strip away. Whatever is bad, he turns to good. He is sure in judgment, unshaken, undismayed. There are forces that move him, but none that alarm him. The sharpest, deadliest blows that fortune can inflict do not wound him. He feels but a sting, and that rarely. As for those other darts that assail the human race, 
Those bounce off him, like hail hitting a roof that rattles and then melts without hurting the one inside. Letters 45.9 Fortuna is not our enemy. She is our sparring partner in life. The blows she delivers in the training ring are designed to teach us how to absorb the knockout blows that life occasionally delivers. Nevertheless, she is a tough training partner, and she will knock us to the mat if we let our guard down. Stoic training prepares us for battle in the real ring of life. While others around us are knocked out by the vicissitudes of fortune, we understand the blows of those externals, while physically painful, cannot touch our soul, our psyche. Through the continued practice of the Stoic spiritual exercises, which includes the application of the dichotomy of control and trust in a providentially ordered cosmos, we can strengthen our inner citadel to be impenetrable by the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune.